0: Well, good morning. I love the mornings. I'm usually the first one up in my house, and I like the quietness of the morning. I like the fresh start of the morning. I especially love to read in the mornings. But my favorite mornings are in the study of God's Word with God's people. And I have been so appreciative of your encouraging words and your warm welcome. And I've looked forward to this morning where we can study together. Fight the good fight. It may be a bit, it may be a bit overwhelming to you to think about fighting the good fight. You may think, well, I'm just one person. What can I do? or I'm so limited in what I can do? How can I make a difference and be effective? Well, I want us to consider this morning Jesus' choice of twelve men to be His apostles. Twelve men that Jesus handpicked for a special purpose, whom He would teach, And they would observe him and then he would send them out to go into all the world and preach the gospel. These are men who had already been passed over by all the other rabbis. It was a great honor to be chosen by a teacher to have one say, Come and follow me, be my disciple. These men hadn't been chosen. They had already given themselves to other occupation, mostly fishermen. And then here comes Jesus, and He says to these, Come and follow Me. And they left everything and followed Him. And 2,000 years removed, we might look at the apostles and put them on a high pedestal and say, Well, I could never do... What they did. I could never be what they were. But when Jesus called them, he constantly had to rebuke them for their lack of faith and said things to them like, Why are you so timid, you men of little faith? On another occasion, How is it that you have no faith? And then again, are you still lacking in understanding? Does that sound like us sometimes? Timid, little faith, lacking in understanding. And yet Jesus was able to transform them into soldiers who would go out and fight the good fight. And He wants to do that for each one of us. Our session this morning is going to be a bit different. We're going to spend most of our time on the back page at these four lists of the 12 apostles. Four times they're listed in Scripture. We learn something a little different each time. And so we're going to look at those one by one, and then we're going to put them all together and find three things that will help us to join the army of the Lord's people and fight the good fight of faith. Let's turn first to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew the 10th chapter, where we'll read the first four verses. Matthew 10, starting at verse 1. And having summoned his twelve disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax-gatherer, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Him. Now, notice in verse 1, when it says that Jesus summoned His twelve what? Disciples. Twelve disciples. Now, you say, well, I thought we were going to talk about the twelve apostles. And so the first thing I want you to notice is that the twelve apostles were first disciples of Jesus. He didn't just walk down the street and say, "Let's see, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, come be my come be my apostle. I want to send you out to preach." No, they were first called to follow Jesus, to be his disciple, to be a learner. You see, before he could say, "Go and preach," he had to first say, "Come and learn." They had to learn what they were going to go and preach. They were going to preach the things that Jesus said and did. They first had to follow Him and be a disciple and learn. And He had throngs and throngs of disciples. And from these, He chose twelve. Twelve for a specific purpose. Twelve whom He would call apostles. Now, what is our textbook definition For an apostle. Somebody said, what's an apostle? How do we usually define them? One cent. That's one penny, Herb. No, one cent means one who has been sent on a mission. Look at verse 5. These twelve, Jesus did what? Sent out. So an apostle was one whom Jesus chose for this purpose of sending them out. In Matthew's account, he names 12. Question, are these the only 12 people in the New Testament who are described as an apostle? No, who are some others who are not on this list, but are referred to as apostles? I I didn't understand. Barnabas is called an apostle. Good, who else? The Apostle Paul. You ever notice when we refer to his writings or to him, we almost always refer to him as the Apostle Paul? He's not on this list, but again, he, he was given a special mission later on. Jesus is called an apostle in the book of Hebrews. You want to talk about one cent. That was Jesus. But these twelve sometimes referred to as the original twelve, were handpicked by Jesus for this mission, that He was going to send them out to preach the gospel. That's the twelve we're going to focus on this morning. Now, when you look at these four lists, and sometimes the order is different. It's not always the exact same order across the board. But what is one similarity that you see just right off the bat with all four lists? Peter is always listed first. Even in our reading this morning, verse 2. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who is called Peter. In the Greek, the first is Protos. it's where we get... Words like prototype. Now, nowhere is Peter designated the chief apostle or the spokesman officially of the twelve. He's not given that title anywhere in Scripture. But it seems significant that he's always listed first. In fact, did you know if you looked at all the times Jesus spoke to the apostles in the gospel accounts, he speaks more to Peter than he does... Any of the other twelve. And of the apostles who say things to the Lord, we have more revealed from what Peter said than any of the others. And so Peter, this Simon as he was called, Jesus changed his name to Peter, meaning rock or stone. And we see this stone-making process of Peter as as the Gospels unfold. Also, we see in this list, says that He gave them authority, in verse 1, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. One caution I want to make as we study through the apostles this morning and we learn from them how we can be better disciples and followers of Jesus, is that I don't mean to say that we will be able to imitate everything the apostles did. They had special authority given by Jesus Himself to perform miracles. He has not promised us that. They could cast out demons... I don't care how bad your kids are, you don't have the ability to do that. He told them later, the Holy Spirit will come and not only help you remember things you've forgotten, but He's going to guide you into all truth. We don't have that assurance. We have to to read and study the Word of God to hear what the Spirit says. So not everything we do is going to be able to come to what the apostles did. But still... We can be better followers of Jesus to fight the good fight. Also notice in this list here in Matthew 10, this is the only time in the list that Matthew's profession is listed. Matthew the what? Matthew the tax gatherer or the tax collector. Some versions have publican or as uh, one little girl said in Bible class, Matthew the Republican. But anyway, why would that be something that would be significant, that Jesus would choose someone who was a tax collector? They were. They were hated by the Jews. They were thought to be sellouts to the Roman government. Here's this... Oppressive government who's here and we're God's people and they're telling us what to do and what to pay and now our own people are working for this government. Matthew the tax gatherer, he was despised. Think about in the Scriptures when, when people were described as sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors. That's what they thought of them. And yet Jesus chose one and said, Come follow me. In Luke 5, we learned that Matthew, or Levi was his Jewish name, was sitting in his tax office when Jesus said, Come follow me. You know what Luke says? He left everything behind and followed Jesus. Now, you know of the other disciples, if this apostleship thing didn't work out, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, we'll just go back to being fishermen. We'll just pick up where we left off. There's always fish, and there's always need for fishermen. But see, Matthew, when he left that behind, he couldn't go back there. Because if you think... Being a tax collector was bad. Who's going to hire a former tax collector? He didn't care about that. I'm going to go follow Jesus. All right, let's go to the next one, Mark chapter 3. Now, remember, this is the same event each time we're reading it. We're just reading it through the personality of the gospel writer. Same thing is happening one of the beauty of the gospel accounts is you can put them all together and learn different things. Matthew, uh, Sorry, Mark chapter 3, let's start reading at verse 13. And he went up to the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that He might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. And He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom He also gave the name Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James. To them He also gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Now notice here we have that same pattern in verse 14, that they might be with him, that's be his disciple, and then that he might send them out to preach. So first called to be disciples and then appointed 12 apostles to send them out. Also, we learned this time, he summoned in verse 13, those whom he himself wanted. You know what that implies? They were probably men that nobody else wanted. You see, if you were a rabbi or a teacher, you wanted to choose disciples who would make you look good. I mean, they've already got it all together. And for you to point and say, He's my disciple, well, that just makes the teacher look good. But Jesus chose uneducated fishermen. He chose a tax collector. He chose, here again listed... Simon the Zealot. Now, he's probably described that way, partly to distinguish him from Simon Peter, Simon the Zealot. But why would the Scriptures make such a point as identifying his political party? That's what that was, Simon the Zealot. Why would that have been something that would have caused people to Say, well, why would Jesus choose him? What was a zealot? You don't read about it in the Old Testament, just like you don't read about Pharisees or Sadducees. These were all different Jewish sects. That formed during those 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And all of them were a reaction to the Roman government. The Pharisees, which means to be separate, they formed just for that reason. We're going to show ourselves separate from these people. The Sadducees and Herodians, they kind of embraced Rome. They said, they're here, we might as well tried to assimilate with them, and they tried to do that. The zealots, as the name suggests, were radical. They had this zeal for the law, and so they were kind of a terrorist organization. They were known to carry daggers, and their purpose was, we want to try to overthrow the government. They might have targeted people like tax collectors for assassination. And Jesus chose one of those. And you know what happened? Simon the Zealot, when he came on board and watched and heard Jesus and followed Him, he eventually became one who would preach the gospel of peace and say, submit to your King in heaven. Jesus chose those whom He Himself wanted. Others would have said, don't bother with them. That's kind of like us, isn't it? You say, I'm unimportant. I don't have any ability. I don't have anything to offer. Jesus says, you come follow me. I'll make you what you ought to be. I'll give you usefulness and worth in my kingdom. He wants you. Make certain you follow him. This time in Mark, we're given another nickname that Jesus gave to his apostles first we learn that Simon he gave the name Peter this time uh, James and John the sons of Zebedee he gave them a nickname which is Boanerges and the translation is given sons of thunder kind of sounds like a wrestling team doesn't it sons of thunder again we're not told why they were given This name, there's no specific incidents where it says uh, this is why Jesus called them that. But it does give us some hints in the Gospels. Remember, they were the ones who uh, when they were passing through Samaria and the Samaritans said, no, you can't come through here. It was James and John said, Lord, do you want us to call for fire in heaven and consume them? Don't you know that looked good on Jesus' PR report? Here He is coming to seek and save the lost, and His apostles are saying, let's burn them to a crisp. Still had some teaching to do. It's not why we're here. It was James and John said, Lord, give us positions of authority in Your kingdom. Let one of us sit on the right and one on the left. Again, they hadn't learned about humility. But Jesus was going to take these sons of thunder And transform them into those who would preach his gospel and his peace. Those whom he himself wanted. All right, next let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, and we'll read Luke's account of the choosing of the twelve. Luke 6, beginning at verse 12. And it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his twelve disciples to to him, and chose twelve of them, whom he also named as apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who was called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So right off the bat, we learn in verse 12 that Jesus did something before His selection of the twelve, and what had He done all night the night before? He'd been praying all night long. Luke does not tell us what Jesus had been praying for what? What might you think the Lord prayed for on the mountain all night long? What might He have prayed for the night before choosing the twelve? Say again. Okay. Yes. Prayed for those men. Lord, strengthen them. Help them. Lord, give them the faith they need for the task. That's ahead of them. And I just have to imagine that before he called them one by one the next morning, he called their names one by one in his prayer to his Father. Does give us, doesn't it, a good example of the power and importance of prayer before some decision, seeking God's wisdom and his will for what we will decide. Jesus shows us that example. We notice something else in our lists here. We find in Luke 6, one name who's not been in Matthew and Mark. He's not on that list. And we also find that there's a name that was in Matthew and Mark, who's not in Luke's list. So somebody comes along and says, there you see, the Bible is full of contradictions. I mean, it can't even agree on who the twelve apostles were. Matthew and Mark says it's this twelve, Luke comes along, and he doesn't mention one of those, and he adds his own. All right, so we have a difference here. There's no doubting that there's a name missing in Luke. Did you find which one that is? Thaddeus is not mentioned in Luke's list. What name is on Luke's list that's not in the other two? Judas, the son of James. Now, what is the most reasonable explanation to account for this difference? Same guy. Do you know anybody who goes by two different names? I can't think of one. Me! Gerald Edward Garner is my given name. That's on my birth certificate. Named after my dad. only person who's ever called me that was my sixth grade English teacher. She said, Bubba's not a proper name. Do you know anyone in the Bible who goes by two different names? Simon, who is called Peter? Sure, in fact, how many of you have the King James Version? Anybody? Don't be embarrassed. Anybody have the King James? If you look back in Matthew 10, you'll find another name for Thaddeus. It's Lebius. And so he's actually somebody who has three names. Now let's look at an example of this. Go to Acts chapter 1. In fact, when they... We're going to replace Judas, who had killed himself, and so they were going to choose another man to bring the number back to twelve apostles. In Acts 1 and verse 23, And they put forward two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. One of the reasons they probably co- chose Matthias is they thought, well, we don't even know what to call this other guy. He's got three names. I can't remember three names. Well, let's, we can remember one name, Matthias. But here, here's another example of somebody who was called by different names. Thaddeus is most likely a nickname. It means literally warm-hearted or childlike heart. It's thought that Thaddeus was either the youngest of the twelve or he just had that tender heart like a child. And so they called him, here's old warm-hearted. Judas, the son of James, was probably his given name. For there to be a discrepancy in the Scriptures, for somebody to claim the Bible is full of contradictions that would mean there's, there's no reasonable explanation for the difference. So there's no contradiction here. We can see that it's most likely the same person who goes by two different names. One thing these three lists have in common, you've noted that Simon is always listed first. Who's always listed last? Judas Iscariot. And each time, it's always with a description of what he did. Did you notice that? Even the children's song we use to teach them, the twelve apostles. Twelve apostles Judas made. Jesus was by him betrayed. And don't you know, that's how they kept saying that. The one who betrayed him. Notice how Luke says that. Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor, I think that's significant, who became a traitor. Sometimes we think that Jesus chose the twelve like this. Let's see, I need four fishermen. I'll take Peter, Andrew, James, and John. I need a tax collector. I'll get Matthew. A zealot, we'll throw one of those in. I'll get Simon. And then, let's see, I need a traitor. Who can be the traitor? Who's going to betray me? Okay, I'll take Judas. Remember, he had multitudes of disciples, and he chose the cream of the crop. Judas became a traitor. To me, that implies when he was brought on board, he was not a traitor. The other disciples never suspected Judas, even when Jesus said, one of you will betray me. Did they say, oh, I bet it's Judas, isn't it? I tell you what, I've been suspicious of him from the start. What did they say when Jesus said, one of you will betray me? Is it me? Surely not I, Lord. They even let Judas... Be the treasurer of the twelve. They sure weren't going to let Matthew hold the money. They trusted Him. And if someone in such close proximity to Jesus, who traveled with Him for three and a half years, who shared meals with Him, who sat at His feet and heard the parables, who saw with His own eyes the miracles of Jesus, if somebody that close to the Lord could become a traitor... What is the warning for all disciples? Is it me? We better be on guard. If it can happen to Judas, it can happen to us. And then finally, in Acts chapter 1, the last time the twelve were listed. This is after Jesus' resurrection and ascension. In verse 12, "...they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying." That is, Peter, John, and James, and Andrew... Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Obviously, Judas does not make this list. He has uh, died. I just want to say one thing about this list and we'll go to our our three applications. Here we see them, perhaps for the first time, described as one. Verse 14, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. What had Jesus prayed for in the garden about these men? Lord that they may be one, even as I and you are one. And here Jesus' prayer has been answered. Well, how's this going to help me join the army? What does studying the Lord's apostles have to do with me fighting the good fight? Number one. Ordinary people can do extraordinary things. Ordinary people can do extraordinary things. The twelve apostles were ordinary men. In fact, when John MacArthur wrote his book about the twelve, guess what he called it? Twelve ordinary men. They were common Even their names show how common they were. Of the twelve apostles, six names were doubles. Yet two Simons, two Judases, two James. Just common, ordinary names for common, ordinary men. But look at what Jesus was able to cause them to do. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, of those who are called, now here he's talking about all who are called through the gospel to become Christians. There are not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble. We're just common people. But with the power of God, He can make us extraordinary and we could do things we could never imagine, all because we've surrendered to Him and given ourselves to His will. Not my will, but thine be done. Join the army. We need every soldier, because through God, ordinary people can do extraordinary things. Number two, our work in the church, as those who are called out, what the church is, is to love one another, not fight with each other. Soldiers do not need to turn their swords on one another. That's not where the battle is. The war is out there. The enemy is outside. Do you not see it significant that these twelve very different individuals from all different backgrounds and walks of life, do you know how they came to be known in the Gospels They came to be called the twelve. The twelve. One group. And that's what we must become. Yes, we are different. Yes, we have different backgrounds and we come from different circumstances, but we can all be one. You know how? Because we have the most important thing in common. We love the Lord. Under normal circumstances, Matthew and Simon were enemies. They hated each other. You ever wonder when Jesus sent them out two by two that He didn't put Matthew and Simon together and say, go preach the Word, work it out. They learned to love one another because they both loved Jesus. Jesus. And they both left everything to follow Him. That's our work. Not to fight with each other, but to love one another. Number three, Jesus can give us courage for the conflict. Remember that these were men whom He had to tell. Why are you so timid? Why do you have such little faith? Why are you still lacking in understanding? But afterward... They observed the confidence of Peter and John. And later in Acts 4, when they had prayed, they began to speak the word of God with boldness. It's what Jesus enabled them to do. And He can do that for all who will come and follow Him. These 12 had a special, specific purpose. As a result, when the new city of Jerusalem is described in Revelation, the foundation stones have the names of the twelve apostles. Our names won't be there. We're not promised that. But it can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All because when we heard Jesus say, Come, follow me we, like them, left everything behind and attached ourselves to our new teacher and joined His army to fight the good fight of faith. Thank you for your participation this morning.